Okay, today is September 5th. We are reading from the big book of AA, pages 18, starting with highly competent psychiatrists and ending with the last paragraph on page 19, which goes into page 20 of necessity. Um, Rita will be our reader, followed by a 20 minute share by Katie B. So Rita, can you please read it? Thank you, Karen. My name is Rita, Recovering Compulsive Reader. Highly competent psychiatrists who have dealt with us have found it sometimes impossible to persuade an alcoholic to discuss the situation without reserve. Strangely enough, wives, parents, and intimate friends usually find us more approachable, us even more approachable than do the psychiatrist and the doctor. But the ex-problem drinker who has found the solution who is properly armed with facts about himself, can generally, generally win the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. Until such an understanding is reached, little or nothing can be accomplished. That the man who is making the approach has had the same difficulty, that he obviously knows what he is talking about, that his whole deportment shouts at the new prospect, that he is a man with a real answer, that he has no attitude to, of holier than thou, nothing whatever except the sincere desire to be helpful, that there are no fees to pay, no access to grind, no people to please, no lectures to be endured. These are the conditions we have found most effective. After such an approach, many take up their beds and walk again. None of us makes, make a sole vocation of this work, nor do we think its effectiveness would be increased if we did. We feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. A much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations and affairs. All of us spend much of our spare time in the sort of effort which we are going to describe. A few are fortunate enough to be so situated that they can give nearly all their time to the work. If we keep on the way we are going, there is little doubt that much good will result. But the surface of the problem would hardly be scratched. Those of us who live in large cities are overcome by the reflection that closed by hundreds are dropping into oblivion every day. Many could recover if they have the opportunity we have enjoyed. How then shall we present that which has been so freely given us? We have concluded to publish an anonymous volume setting forth the problem as we see it. We shall bring to, to the task our combined experience and knowledge. This should suggest a useful program for anyone concerned with the drinking problem. Of necessity, there will have to be discussion of matters medical, psychiatric, social, and religious. We are aware that these matters are, from the very nature, controversial. Nothing would please us so much as to write a book which would contain no basis for contention or argument. We shall do our utmost to achieve that ideal. Most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinions, our attitudes, which make us more useful to others. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. Pass. Thank you, Rita. And now we will have Katie B, who will speak on what uh, Rita just read. She'll speak for about 20 minutes or so. There's really not stressing on the time. So Katie, will you please share? Hi, <clears throat> excuse me. Good morning, everybody. 
my name is Katie and I am a recovered compulsive overeater and I am very happy to be here and uh, a little nervous. So we're just gonna sort of jump right in um, to the reading. Uh, so when I first read about highly competent psychiatrists and um, I reflect on my own journey in my efforts to overcome my compulsive overeating over the decades uh, and eating disorder clinics and psychiatrists and counselors and therapists um, not and put put aside all of the you know weight management clubs and gym memberships. Putting that aside, just reflecting on the the therapists and and specialists I went to, um, I did find it hard to talk about my situation uh, without reserve uh, because I I kept hearing the message, and this was just my experience. I kept hearing the message that my goal was to eat everything in moderation. <laughs> Um, that uh, I, I should hit a maintenance weight or I should be able to become somebody who could, could eat everything, uh, including foods that I had gorged myself on for years to the point of like so being physically ill. Um, the goal was just have a little. Um, and, and it was so hard to, to explain to people. Like I, I didn't understand that I couldn't do it. I didn't understand that I couldn't be a normal eater because the message was I'm supposed to be a normal eater and I should, you know, you know, we should figure it out together, you know, in therapy or whatever, but that was always the goal. And to be honest, until I was able to embrace the fact, fully embrace the fact that I'm a compulsive overeater with, um, a physical allergy as described in the doctor's opinion of this book um, and a mental obsession until I was able to accept that about myself. Um, and, and, uh, and my goal was always to, to, to get fixed and then have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. I, I wasn't going to be recovered. I wasn't going to be recovered um, no matter how much I wanted to, and no matter how much I tried, um, there's a story somebody shared about in the back of the big book recently, and I forget the story, so forgive me, but it's about a person who goes to their first AA meeting and they hear someone speak about the fact that they're an apple and their whole life they've been trying to be an orange. And until as long as I was trying to be an orange, it wasn't going to work. And instead, I'm going to work to be the best apple I can be. And I know it's funny because it's a food analogy and we're in Overeaters Anonymous, but you know, I, I need to work within who I am. And that doesn't mean that I have limits on, on how I can be and how free I can be. I, I need to accept who I am and what I am. And then as the reading goes on and talks about, you know, family and others, friends, or even more unapproachable to them, then I reflect back on, you know, over the years, people trying to talk to me, you know, my mother, uh, God forbid anybody tried to talk to me about my food. Unapproachable is like the politest word for what I would be. Really nasty. I, I was not able to share with most people what I was doing with food. Um, I have a memory of being a, like a young teenager and crying to my mother one time, though, crying, like eating, like finishing boxes and boxes of things and looking at her and saying like, 
why, why can't I stop? Like, why am I doing this? Um, and, and that was really the only memory as I was reflecting on this ever that I have of really being honest that I was doing this and I couldn't understand it. But most of the time I was pretty unapproachable. Um, and then as the paragraph continued, the next paragraph, uh, we see the word solution, right? There really is a solution. <laughs> this chapter, the title, there is a solution. Um, like, I, I never thought there'd be a solution. I thought the best I could ever get was maybe I could be thin, gripping onto it with my, you know, with my hands, like clenched and miserable forever and, and holding onto a goal weight. And maybe that was the best it would ever be <laughs> like that. I didn't understand that there was a freedom, that there was a neutrality around food, that it wasn't about my weight. Like these things, I couldn't even understand it until I was able to come into this solution. Um, and then the solution tells us, right, that there's a problem. And the big book tells me that my problem is a lack of power. And there's so much beauty in knowing that there's a lack of power, that I have a lack of power because I can, I can accept the fact that I'm sick, that I really have an illness, that this isn't my fault. And it's not because I'm so weak-willed or I'm a piece of garbage or, you know, the onlys and the ifs and the buts. It's, it's, it's that I'm an apple, <laughs> right? Back to the apple. I'm a compulsive overeater and I have a disease. And, and there's so much freedom in knowing that I can't fix it myself and that it's not my fault because then I can work towards the solution. And I will tell you that for me, um, you know, and then I, the big book tells me the answer, right, to my problem, the solution is power, a power greater than myself. Um, and, and for me, I've been able to find that solution through entire abstinence entire abstinence, okay, of my alcoholic foods and uh, working the steps to the best of my ability. Um, and I'll try to talk more about that um, as we go through. <sighs> so then when uh, it goes on the next paragraph to talk about um, the same man, you know, the person who had the same difficulties, right, with a real answer and no attitude of holier than thou. So I was reflecting on like, no attitude of holier than thou, like, yeah, no, no, I don't think I'm better. I also don't think I'm worse. And that's been an interesting improvement in this program, because as I've heard said, you know, I was either um, I was the biggest piece of garbage in the center of the universe, right? I hated myself, hated myself, but it was still all about me. Um, and I spent a lot of my life comparing myself, you know, I'm better than I'm worse than I'm, um, I'm worthy, I'm less worthy. Um, and, and that's, that's not my experience today, but I can certainly say that as a recovered person, I'm not holier than thou. And I'm happy to share about my experiences with, you know, hiding food and lying about food and telling my kids, oh, the food that, you know, your food, oh, that was expired, you know, or it fell on the floor when I ate their food after I chased them up the stairs to bed, you know, um, or just all, you know, eating food that, you know, finish, you know, having half of something, being disgusted with myself, throwing in the garbage and then slinking right back to the garbage an hour later and taking it out. You know, I've, I've, I've done all of that stuff. And then I was thinking about one recent thing. Um, uh, now I was recently thinking about something that I had done in my disease. It was like a really, really hot day. And I was driving home from work to pick my kids up off the bus and I was wearing a new dress and there was an ice cream place on the way home. 
and I, it was so hot and I got myself this like giant, like obnoxious dessert and I'm driving home and I have like 10 minutes before I'm going to be like getting my kids off the bus. And I cannot eat this thing fast enough because it's just so hot. It's dripping and dripping and like, it's going down my arms and it's getting all over the front of my dress in my car. And like, you know, a normal air quotes person, like maybe you'd throw it out. <laughs> maybe you'd throw out the, the ice cream. I ate that thing. I ate it like, like there was like, it was never going to be another ice cream cone in my whole life. It's dripping down this beautiful dress that I got. And when I got out of the car to pick up my kids off the bus, I like had these file folders next to me from my job. And I took my purse and my files and I was like holding it in the front of my dress to block the fact that I had brown stains all over this dress. And um, I never got the stains out of that dress, by the way. Um, but just like, like nothing could stop me. Like no amount of shame, humiliation, no fear that I was going to die. Like I have a heart issue. My doctor told me lose weight. I gained 45 pounds like immediately. No amount of fear that my children were going to live without, grow up without a mom. Didn't matter. Like I couldn't do it on my own. Um, and I'm happy to share those experiences because I, you know, I don't know if anybody can relate to any of them, but by sharing those experiences, I feel like I can really identify in as a compulsive eater and to newcomers, if my experiences don't resonate, please come back because other people's will, right? This is just my experience. Um, and then as the paragraph goes on, um, but I do, I have an, a sincere desire to be helpful. Um, the, the, the serenity and the peace that I've experienced now um, as a result um, of these steps, like the big book says, is a wholesale miracle. It is available for all of us. And I want to share it and I want to pass it on because I've never known joy and freedom like this. Um, and that doesn't mean life is great all the time. And that doesn't mean that crappy things aren't happening and people aren't dying or being sick, like getting sick or that things aren't stressful or there's financial things happening, right? Like life is going to keep happening. Life is going to keep happening to us, around us. And I, I am able to go through life now, not only with food neutrality, um, but also just with like a a true understanding that like things are going to be okay, even when they're not. And that I don't have to control everything and make things. So it's, it's just been amazing. And I want to be able to, to share that. And I guess maybe I'll jump to, how am I doing on time here? Um, oh, all right. I think, let me go a little bit further and then I'm going to go back and forth. I apologize. I'm just trying to get everything in. Um, on the top of 19, when it talks about, we feel that the elimination of our drinking is but a beginning, and then we have to practice these principles. So yeah, so first of all, I had to put down my alcoholic foods. I had to identify them. I had to get really honest, and I had to put them down. I had to be willing to do that. And then I worked the steps, the principles, right? Um, and I didn't do it perfectly and, and that's okay because as I do it with sponsees and as I go through the book again, and as I do my 10 step and, you know, I, it, 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 it strengthens the steps and it, and they evolve and my understanding of them evolve. I, I had to just do it the best that I could um, in the beginning in terms of the steps. Um, and then when we go on and it says, um, 
Many could recover if they had the opportunity, right? So recovery, I didn't like that word. <laughs> I didn't like the word recover. I thought it was like a show off word in the beginning. You know, when I first came into the room 20 years ago, I was like, who the hell are you to say you recovered? I'm going to suffer forever. <laughs> you know, I don't, and, and, I, and I think it's outrageous that you're not suffering too. I mean, really, um, that's how I felt about people who said they were recovered. I didn't like the big book. I didn't like the way it was written. I didn't like that it talked about God. Like there were a lot of things that were standing in my way, you know, initially. Um, and what I found is I needed to be um, honest and uh, open-minded and willing, right? That's what the big book tells me. I had to be honest that I didn't like the book. I had to be open-minded to maybe there were, uh, I had things to learn through the book, through a higher power, um, things that had really turned me off for a long time. The idea of a higher power had not been something I was interested in. And now I can tell you like, like, and I never thought I'd be saying this, but like my higher power, my relationship with my higher power is, is the best, like the bright spot of my life. And it started with simply knowing that there is a God and I'm not it. That's all I needed to know in the beginning, because if I, as I kind of went through the steps in the beginning and I, I was working them, I realized that I've been trying to be God, right? I didn't identify as God. I didn't, oh, I'm God, but I expected certain things from people. I, I willed things so, or I attempted to, I expected th certain things out of myself and I was unhappy um, and pouty when it didn't go my way uh, because I thought I knew best. And what a relief it is to know that I don't know best, <laughs> that I don't have to make things so, um, and that there actually is a God, uh, and, I, and I'm not that person or that being. Uh, really incredible. And what a, yeah, I mean, it's, that was the beginning of, of so many changes for me. Um, so then it talks about this book, right? And I will say again with this book, I didn't like the book. They published this book. Now I love this book. And one thing that I really love is that I love hearing other people talk about the book because when I read anything, I read it through my lens. I can only read something the way I can read it. And I can only understand something the way that I can understand it. And so hearing you share, go, you know, listening to podcasts, hearing other people's interpretations, um, and being open to that um, has been an incredible part of this recovery journey for me, an incredible part. Oh, and I mentioned recovery and I want to go back to that. So what recovered means to me um, is I've been, I've recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I thought I would never get out of this misery that I was in and, and I, and I am out of it and it's, been it's a gift that I have received and then like I just want to look at the promises right the ninth and tenth step promises that's also part of how I identify as being a recovered person is that those are coming true for me every day um I'm just looking at them now so yeah a new freedom and a new happiness and again that doesn't mean that everything is great it means that I can have joy in those moments and um, before recovery, in my most joyous moments, I was still sort of unhappy and miserable. I don't know if anybody else identifies with that. In the most wonderful of moments, it was always underneath like, yes, but things will be better if, or things will be better once this or that, where I still had this like, like undertone of like self-loathing and, and loathing of others. And that is gone. Um, and that is a miracle. 
And it continues on, you know, we will know serenity, we will know peace, um, we won't feel useless, we won't be self-seeking. Um, our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Um, that is all true for me. And again, it doesn't mean my life has changed and my life is sunshine and rainbows, but I can move through life with grace and joy and appreciation and gratitude in a way that I never could before. Oh yeah, and food neutrality, which is like <laughs> outrageous that I can live that way today. You know, and then it goes on. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Yes, I have food neutrality today. And I will tell you that if I, if, if the gifts of this program had stopped with food neutrality, I wouldn't have asked for anything more. The fact that I can live my life without food thoughts, noise, constant fighting, either constantly trying to restrict or constantly planning a binge or fighting both, or just all of the sounds in my head about food or about myself, me, 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 me. The fact that all that is quieted and I have food neutrality today, I would never want anything more. And I can tell you that that's honestly just the beginning. It's been just the beginning of what I've gotten from this program, from a relationship with my higher power, through meeting fellows, more, more of a life, more joy than I honestly ever thought existed or was possible. Um, just... Yeah. And so I'm just the 10 step promises. I, I won't go into all of them, but I will just tell you that it's, it's such a gift and it can happen. It can happen for all of us. It's, it's not exclusive <laughs> to me or to anybody else. It's if, if, if we have entire abstinence, that's what I, my understanding of the book is if I have entire abstinence and I work the program to the best of my ability, um, it can happen for all of us. Um, doing on time. Okay. I have two minutes left. So I'm just going to at the bottom here, you know, when it talks about tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints, I'll just also say, um, yes, <laughs> yes to that. Uh, again, I've realized through this program that like the book says somewhere else that, um, all the world's a stage and I was its biggest critic, right? I just knew everything. And I thought that you couldn't like raise up, like I, like at first being tolerant of people was just tolerating the fact that you weren't as good <laughs> as me. Like, if I'm being honest, that's what I first thought tolerance was. And now I've realized, um, cause I was still in my, you know, but now I realized like, God made all of us or our higher power, whatever you want to look at it, right? We all deserve to be here. Um, and we, we all deserve recovery. Um, and when I'm being judgmental uh, of people, that's blocking me from God because those are my defects that are, that are coming in and blocking me from God. Um, and, and as it goes on to say that, you know, my very life as an ex-problem drinker depends on my constant thought of others. How true. Like when I start finding myself like in a, in a cycle of me, the, the, the first thing I do is I reach out to others because my life truly does depend, um, depend on that today. And it is a true bright spot of my life, helping other people in this program and out um, gives me more joy than anything else because I truly feel that I am 
I'm, I'm doing uh, God's will for me. Um, and I think I'm going to end. I've been talking a long time. Um, and uh, I can't wait to hear what everybody else has to say. And thanks for letting me share.